Welcome to the Animal Aspirations podcast. In this episode, we speak to two vet students from the RVC as we talk about their journey to vet school. We talk about the pressures from school, following your dreams, and the challenges that we face along the way. We break down some of our best advice for applying to UCAS, what you should focus on in your personal statement, how to get work experience in the city, and how to prepare for your interview. We also discuss the role that animal aspirations can play in your journey. If you're thinking about applying to a STEM course but are feeling a bit overwhelmed, then this is the episode for you. Let's get into it. Thank you so much for joining me this morning. Would you like to introduce yourselves? Yeah, sure. So I'm Steph and I have recently just graduated as a vet. Um, I was on the five-year veterinary medicine programme, but I also came via the Gateway programme, which is a foundation year just before. So in total, I've done a lovely long six years. <laughs> um, uh, I'm Jardavi. Um, I'm on the BVET med course as well. Um, I've just finished my intercalating year, so I'm going into third year in September. Lovely. And I just wanted to ask, like, what got you to the RBC or what inspired you to do a biology type degree course? I think for me, so I was one of those people that had access to animals growing up. My dad kept a lot of weird and wonderful pets um, in our back, yeah, in our back garden in North London. Um, and that for me really kind of honed in on my experience with animals and also made me feel like oh like I could see myself like working with animals or doing something with animals I didn't know I wanted to be a vet though I think when I was younger people would tell me like oh you always said you wanted to be a vet because I think that's the only career that people think immediately goes with working with animals um but I was like yeah I want to work with animals and then when I got to school I was like I do really like science and I was actually quite good with sciences and particularly like biology and things like that but I also was very creative driven and artistic and that was also very conflicting because I loved that I love my drawing I love my music at the same time especially like early secondary school and you think you can do literally everything and like you're picking your GCSEs and all that sort of stuff um so yeah for me I, I at least I was quite lucky I did have exposure um but like I said I, I didn't know completely that I wanted to be a vet but I had a feeling that I really wanted to know more about the world like you watch so many nature documentaries like everyone loves David Asper documentaries and like I used to just watch you used to have like old style Betty programs back in the early 2000s and that were on tv and I'd be like oh my god this is really cool like this is what I really want to do um so it's like I think it's like multifactorial but I never there aren't any like vets in my family there's no one that I necessarily had um links with into it other than the experiences I had um, with my dad oh that's so interesting I feel like a lot of people can relate like I was very torn between like all of my A-level subjects I was like I don't know which one which career path I feel like I'm going down so I think yeah. that's a really interesting experience and Janavi? um yeah well I came to vet school and like spoke to people and they literally a lot of people were like I wanted to be a vet since I was four or something so it's interesting to hear that you even though you've had that exposure to animals you didn't know that um my route was like a bit different I didn't know what I wanted to do really um even at a level I kind of thought <clears throat> that I wanted to do like biology research or something because I loved biology that was like my favorite subject um and again I'd watched like so many David Attenborough documentaries and I loved animals but I'd never I mean I have a dog but I'd never really been around other animals that much um and I spoke to a friend who wanted to do vet med and she was just telling me about all the work experience she'd done. And I was like, okay, I'll just, I'll book a week of work experience at the vet. I'll do one at a GP as well, because 
like a doctor seems like you know the natural progression from like biology um and I just did the vet work experience and cancelled the GP one I was like that's it I'm sold this is what I want to do <laughs> so it was quite an instant thing once I'd got into that environment but until I'd been in that environment I didn't really consider it Oh, that's really interesting. I feel like a lot of people can relate between like being torn between medicine and vet med, like the sort of medical fields, but like which path to go down. So that's really interesting. I think, I think a lot of schools would like push people to kind of, you know, you know, like you go down a traditional route, but then when you're the one standalone person, it's like, I want to be a vet. Like they literally come around every blue moon. Like there was really like, but then my teachers were trying to put me in contact with someone who was a vet potentially two years above me and yeah it's just kind of like you couldn't really find a link so it, you end up feeling quite unique but also a little bit stranded sometimes yeah. um yeah. I think hopefully schools are getting a bit better at it but it's just when the information isn't like right there for them exactly um, and that leads me on to my yeah. next question what was your application process like because obviously you just said that your school it's difficult for schools if they have like one student every four years to have resources like they do when they're helping medicine students. So did you feel like you just kind of had to figure it out yourself and just like research? Yeah, it was up? it was really strange because like I said, so my my parents necessarily like we've kept we kept dogs, we've kept other animals and things, but they weren't necessarily people with degrees. Like I'm the first person in my family to go to university. And so when I was applying it's very much like I am the guinea pig I have two younger sisters as well and so one of them's at uni as well and so it's nice they've already been through the process with me but it was that very much like I've got to be the one finding my work experience I've got to be the one looking up checking if I need to do like the uh the medical entrance exams because some of the unis at the time still accepted them so I think it was Cambridge and RBC was still taking them um I had to go and yeah you know you're writing the emails doing the phone calls trying to source these places um and it is a lot like if you think I think back and I'm like well as a you know 15 16 year old it's a lot of responsibility and you having to commit and show your teachers that you're committing to a career that early you know it's and depending on your area and what school you're from you know and sort of the general aspirations of students at our school I think sometimes you know they, they want to support the students that they think are going to do well and I, I think they should obviously make sure that they're doing the best for everyone regardless of what they want to do not everyone wants to go to university not everyone wants to go you know people want to go straight into work people want to do apprenticeships people should be allowed to do what they want um but especially for something like this which was so vocational there wasn't really much else they could do other than encourage me and I remember there was a point I know we'll get onto it a little bit later on about like A levels and things but there was a point where like my A levels weren't going too well and they were asking me you know like what what do you want to do and you have to sit there and be like well actually I have a plan and this is what I'm going to try and do and you just need to trust me and it's that weird balance especially at A levels and being in sixth form of like being half treated by like an adult but also being still treated like a child um so yeah I did find it it, it was it, I definitely had supportive staff members so there were people that sat down helped me with my interview practice um people that helps helped with my personal statements and things like that as well so I can't doubt those people individuals that really did support us but overall and I think it's safe to say for a lot of people that go and in, go into vet med in particular you know there isn't always people with boundless resource and knowledge you have to be the one that goes out do the open days get your work experience speak to people start networking when you're really quite young 
Yeah, I think it's a massive jump in personal responsibility from when you're at GCSE stage to when you're at A-level stage. Like, I'm not quite sure. I'm, I'm thinking the same thing. I look back and I'm like, like, how how did we kind of know what to do? But I don't think I really did. I was really lucky that I had that friend who um, had known she wanted to be a vet for quite a while. So she kind of gave me some tips. And we also had a med sock at our school. So they they did their best like they I don't think they'd ever seen a vet before and now they had like two vet students but um they tried to like help us out and then obviously there were teachers involved as well and yeah my school was like really um heavy with pushing people to go towards university so for us I don't think that I ever felt like a lack of support and obviously you're completely right like for people who didn't want to do that I think it was a very different picture but the support that I had from school was it made the process a lot easier but it was a case of just like massive like information overload because there are so many different things to consider when you're applying for vet med or any like animal course because of the experience side of it so yeah I remember that summer being really chock chock full with um work experience and stuff so it was it was hectic but yeah the support from the teachers was really good what would you recommend to someone who's feeling like overwhelmed by the amount of options and choices? Like, what would you recommend for them to do to try and break it down and make it a bit easier for like making a step-by-step -step goal to help them on the route to, you know, entering university? I, I guess they should just, you know, it is just taking a step back and maybe even if it's just writing things down on paper and planning, like, like, like Janavi said as well, like we both seem to have, like you just end up having this whole run of you like potentially like going and doing google searches for places and then you have to contact places and you're just chasing it and chasing it because you know that you've got like your easter holiday your summer holiday coming up and you need to kind of try and book something stuff in and you're also kind of learning it as you're going along so there isn't any sort of you know i don't think there's any blueprint to doing it but i think whatever people can do to alleviate any stress and so I, th I think things that help me even now with like planning organizing stuff you know just writing stuff down you know making just making lists just figuring out who your contacts want to be when do you need to contact them um maybe even if they've got like a calendar and they could figure out when they've got their easter holiday summer holidays you know and things like that and try and figure out oh if i contact this place at this time hopefully i'll be able to fit myself stuff in here um and stuff like that but just yeah anything to kind of alleviate that and then I guess there's also worries about um and for a lot of the people that we would do outreach to in terms of like being able to afford transport like how are you going to get their accommodation things like that but if there are worries about that then it's always worth you know raise that in the discussion with the placement that you're potentially going to um and you can be honest with them and explain you know that like if, if like my I know my parents couldn't ferry me around everywhere so I was quite limited to places that I could potentially go um but you just kind of have to make the effort and figure out well actually there are quite a few places that I'm willing to like maybe go the extra mile of just do the long walking distance to and that'll be fine but yeah no it is it is tricky either way there isn't really a blueprint yeah definitely I agree with all of that I think I mean one massive thing for me was excel <laughs> I love an excel spreadsheet <laughs> so I would literally just like have my categories of like universities for example and then the things that were important to me that they offered like along the side and you know very like formulaic in that sense um because I think that that really helped me distinguish between universities that are all very similar in like what they offer really so it's really like the tiny differences that make the difference um 
but yeah work experience also was a big like point to organize um and I would say like practically speaking you should start thinking about like your CV I'm sure we had to write one when we were in maybe like year 11 or 12 um but just thinking about stuff that you've done over the years that isn't animal related or academic related um but just like skills that you've built up on the way I think that that is a really good start in thinking about getting work experience because you have to sometimes send in a cover letter or I mean even when it comes to personal statement that would be really helpful so um yeah just little things like that if you can get those things done early then it kind of helps out later on saying that about CVs like I have a, I had a rolling CV from like about 2014 2015 so literally yeah. just before starting uni and like I'd filled it in with everything all the work experience that I've done because you we start with doing that like year 10 work experience um exactly. and even stuff like that like you can put skills and hopefully people will have advisors or people at school which explain to them about what transferable skills are and why they're important and how that feeds into that and like you say like how that feeds into writing your personal statement and things like that but you have opportunities to ask people for help with that and also you can find like templates and things online which is brilliant so you can figure out that way and potentially especially with everything that's gone on a lot of stuff is online now and you could probably sit and listen to cd workshops and things like that as well which will help yeah so, I was just gonna say I think that there's like so many resources online like on YouTube and things of like how to build a CV for mm. beginners and that kind of stuff even that kind of thing is really helpful if you don't have like immediate access at school um because I'm not sure if all schools do kind of focus on that kind of thing but and it's also important to start early so if they haven't yet then you don't want to kind of get there late so doing your own research is yeah important yeah, so we've talked a lot about like doing your own research so for me when I was like going through it I kind of broke it down into the three main sections of the interview process like the application process which is like the work experience the personal statement and then like the interviews so we've talked a lot kind of a bit about work experience but do you remember like what sort of places because me and Steph and I don't know about you Johnny, but we're all London based yeah I'm just out I'm Essex okay Essex so but for me like I found that the only thing I could really get was you know cats and dogs small animals so yeah. for me I thought the best thing I can do is like okay so if I'm limited to cats and dogs what in this field can I get I was like yes I can get clinical practice great what else can I get you know rehoming shelters brilliant see where I can go for that um you know like I did some stuff with guide dogs UK like helping train guide dogs I was like if I can only do small animals I'm going to make sure I can get the most variety of small animals because I remember talking to someone at an open day and they were like if you can't get everything because they have like a huge list they're like you can do lambing and you can do you know horses and I was like yeah I have access to horses and I have access to small animals but like farming lambing like that's just not something that I physically have any contacts for I can't I can't it's exam season I can't go out and do lambing because I don't live near anywhere I'd have to like leave my house and that wasn't something that me and my mum felt comfortable with like at that age so the best advice that I got for work experience was like just trying to find variety and weeks just make sure you have weeks mm -hmm. so would you remember any of your like pre-vet school placements like what sort of things that you went for yeah, so for me, like I said, I had a little blip with my A-levels. And so that's when I started having consideration for the Gateway course at RBC. But the Gateway course at RBC doesn't actually require any work experience. However, because I was also still in the interim of like, I originally was potentially going to apply to the full um, 
like the, the five year program, um, I was still collating work experience anyway. And actually I would say for anyone that it's, it's like with anything, I think even if you're not sure about going for it, offering up a week of your holidays or two weeks is still beneficial in any of those sort of animal environments just to get a taster. Because I, I even like when we've worked as ambassadors, I've said to people as well, like, you know, that if you get a taster in a vet practice, you find out if it's for you or if it's not for you. If you find it out it's not for you earlier, it saves you the hassle of worrying about, oh gosh, I'm not really sure. Like, you know, and granted, even if you don't have a good experience at one particular place, there's obviously so many places to try. So maybe try it somewhere else instead. But for me, I definitely managed to get a week at in clinical practice. Um, and then I'd also um managed to get experience at a uh, like a riding riding stables which was local to me um I also worked in a dog groomers as well and that was quite cool um they had a little pet ship next door so we could wash all the little puppies that they had in the <gasps> shop. So I was like they're really cute um and what else did I do and then so yeah I was in a similar position to you Olivia like I I don't think my family would have been comfortable sending me out to farms to stay with people um and we didn't have contacts either we didn't really know anyone and again around where I am like I'm kind of in a boundary where it's kind of close to the countryside but not quite but we're not because we're still around that Hertfordshire area there isn't loads of farming it's not all arable land or anything like that so what I did was because I was very keen about attending RVC, I'd already been involved in some of their, um, in just some of their uh, events and things. And they were running a lambing day at Box Park Farm. So I went for that lambing day. Um, and that was really good because even if it was just a day, it was it was not necessarily, could it be counted for as proper, proper experience. But for me, because I knew that I was doing the gateway course or going for that at that time, I was like, at least I've had a taster of what it's like. And then, ever since then and being on the course like I loved going back for lambing I get I feel like I have like a minor addiction to going back and, and just going and being with the sheep I'm like every year I'm like oh my gosh like another <laughs> year it's gone I was like oh my god glad that's over kind of thing and then like I go next year I'm like ringing up the farmer like you still need someone Do you want <laughs> like I was like that at the beginning of COVID as well like when everything was kind of up in the air and I was like oh, I'm gonna go back need a hand I'll come do night shifts that's fine um so yeah, like I think, like you said, just to reiterate what you said, the variety is important. And if, as long as people, especially if you're going for the vet med in particular, just make sure that you know what the university requirements are of the weeks and the hours and things, because that obviously is the biggest thing, but give yourself an opportunity to get a breadth of experience if you can. Um, and if you need help, then hopefully if you contact the admissions people at those universities, they might be able to guide you a bit better. Or if you do, if you do know that their family contacts potentially utilize that as well, because someone always seems to know someone, and they might be able to slot you in somewhere. Um, so yeah, yeah. Um, I think I like kind of had that tick box of like I've got to get clinical, and then I've got to get horses and stuff. And being where I am, I have kind of a similar problem. Like I don't really have access to loads of farms, and I don't really have the chance for either. So I called. I remember just going online and looking at all the vets that were close to me and then just calling every single one being like please take me um so a lot of those kind of ones I I was able to walk to and it was okay um and then I also got experience at cats protections like a rescue shelter type thing and um a cattery and kennels um and then I managed to get a couple of riding schools as well so it was a bit of a mix 
but I would say like it's really important if you can get work experience that is like every week for a few months that I think that people don't really tend to consider that and they consider just getting a chunk like a block week which is absolutely like understandable because you know you get it done in that short amount of time but if you get a week's placement I mean over the course of say a few months um that really shows like a level of commitment that you can then use to back up why you want to be a vet if you get to like a personal statement and interview stage um yeah so I would that's what I would really recommend I think I did that for um the kennels and cattery um I did it from my first work experience around that time so February all the way up until October and um, which was the application deadline time so then I could say I got like eight months of like regular exposure to animals so um I think that really helped my case when I was doing um personal statement and stuff what you said about calling up the vet practice just like rejigged the memory <laughs> I remember like I would call them up and my mum would always say like remember the name of the receptionist to like write in the email because they'd always give you an email of someone like who you need to contact or the person who would organize like coordinate work experiences so I'd always be like oh like hey Lauren and I'd like remember to write oh I've just spoken to Lauren on the phone and then that just shows that you're like on it are there any tips that you would give to people who are doing work experience to like get the most out of their work experience definitely like bring a little notepad notebook something you know like just to make sure you are keeping little notes like just a little one that you can stick in your pocket and have a pen to hand because um you know there will be things that you learn or you pick up you might not understand them but at least you know you've you've got them down you've asked me questions just it's just trying to be enthusiastic and I think even going through the course like you kind of have to have this constant feeling of like needing to be enthusiastic in place but you need to show that you're engaged and, it, and you need to show you're interested it can be tiring but it's worth it because that's how you get the receptiveness from the people that you're working with um and like just offer to be helpful as well like mm -hmm. I think sometimes you can feel a little bit like a bit of a wallflower sometimes and you're kind of watching what's going on they might to be fair if it's like a busy vet practice for example they might not necessarily have the space for you and if they are quite small you know and they're rushing around you might feel like you're getting in the way but you're not like they've obviously they've offered to have you there they want to have you there you will help them it's just they need to find things for you to do and there'll also be things that potentially you can't they won't, you won't be allowed to do everything because of your age. So, but when you say you are a vet student or, or a nursing student, you then would be allowed to do certain things because you're training. Um, so don't feel disheartened if you're like, they're not actually letting you do like, I don't know, actually kind of maybe like scrubbing for a surgery or something really, really cool. And granted, don't compare yourself when you are in the application process. If you do know other people that are applying and they say, oh, well, I got to do this, this, and this on my work experience, don't compare yourself and what your experiences are take what you have learned from that experience and what you are going to apply to your application and what you apply to your interviews along and the same thing goes for throughout vet school as well like a lot of people were like oh my god I did my first cat spay and it's like that's a great milestone that is a great achievement but then when you've got people that are saying I've managed to do like 54 cat spays over the course of like you know however many months it's like it's great it's fine I've only been able to do one but doesn't make you any less competent or anything like that either so enjoy your work experience make sure you keep notes be active and engaging um and just yeah just don't compare your experience to other people's yeah completely agree with all of those I think 
keep a diary oh my gosh the amount of times I've said that to people applying I'm like keep a diary even if I remember just having my phone there and my little notes app um and every day I would like you know have my some time with the vet after a consult or something and just ask like a couple of questions I think I badgered one of the vets like so much I think he was getting a bit sick of me but it showed that I was really enthusiastic and yes I couldn't understand most of what he was talking about but it was still really interesting for me to know and I think if you stay with one placement for like long enough so say you do like a two-week placement there um they start to trust you and give you more responsibility by the end because you're so eager and enthusiastic at the beginning so I think it really helps build up a good impression of you um and I think the easiest way I found to not feel like I was getting in the way was just to ask like what can I do to help or even if you'd seen the vet for example cleaning the consult table with some disinfectant after a consult you could just take the initiative and do that yourself and then it's one less thing for them to worry about and they know that you're kind of engaged and you're taking initiative so I think it's these kind of little things that really give you a good impression to the vet and um, keep you engaged because it can be difficult to stay on it for I mean eight hours of the day when you don't really have anything to do except watch um yeah and I do feel like vets like taking interest in like the pre-vet applications like work experience because they like want to try and get more people into the career so I remember all the people that I were with they were like oh like come and look at this like when they were doing a consult and saw like I don't know a skin infection they'd be like oh this is called this and then I write it down and then they'd like ask me about it later and I'd be like oh I've done some research and it's this and he's like yeah well done so I do feel like the majority of environments like they are welcoming and they do want to like help inspire like the next generation of people to, to get involved so like the next step of the application process we've got all of our work experience would be your personal statement do you remember, your, I remember I asked you so many drafts of my personal statement. I was there going to my tutor like, oh, is this good? And I think one thing they were like, you've got to have a good opening, but you can't use the word passion. That's like the only two things I remember about my personal experience. They were like, don't use the word passion because everyone uses it, but you've got to have a gripping opening. So do you remember, do you have any advice for personal statement writing? I know it's such a long time ago for all of us. <laughs> I was gonna say is this like reaching um no it's fine I do actually remember so I had 11 drafts of my personal statement and to be fair it, it sounds scary but actually it's like you just make loads and loads of little tweaks and luckily like I was saying before we did have someone who was like an advisor and she literally was hired to help us write our personal statements um and she was also simultaneously a history teacher as well but she'd kind of moved up to our little UCAS office and was sitting there and helping us with all, all of our UCAS applications going through it cutting stuff down and helping us so much um but yeah like you're saying the openers need to be good so the things to avoid for vetty in the vetty world are like you know ever since I was three years old I've always wanted to be a vet like it's that generic like everyone's going to say that or kind of thing um but I think my opener was to do the fact that, so my, the dog that I grew up with, um, like unfortunately we had to put her to sleep, but she um, had a, some kind of level of form of like an MS kind of thing. Um, and so I had made a point that I was very intrigued about, you know, learning about multiple sclerosis in dogs and um, 
that is kind of spurred on not my passion to avoid that word but has kind of started me and thinking about you know a little bit more about how animals work and actually kind of the link between human and animal diseases and illnesses so something along those lines I've I'd jazzed up um and then I found though with the personal statement when they gave us a template um in our school for everyone to use and I was like this template isn't matching up to what I think I need because when I'd done my research it was like you need to talk about 70% of your work experience and then maybe the other 30% is about your hobbies your interests I wrote some stuff about like some conferences I've been to like some books I'd read that were like science oriented that sort of thing and that was literally just at the end um but you yeah the bulk was kind of talking about transferable skills from my work experience um and so I was in one another it was another one of those things where I was like yeah I'm gonna ignore all of this I'm just gonna have to go and do my own thing um but it was a bit of a you just need to make sure you stagger it and give yourself enough time they made us they started making us write our personal statements in the summer before the UCAS yeah. application started opening so yeah. that and that works because you do need to kind of be on it and the more the more time you allow it the more time you have for making loads and loads of drafts as well yeah definitely the earlier the better and I think if you've kept that diary of all your work experience then it's so helpful to just have a read through that and it kind of brings back all of those you know emotions that passion <laughs> you kind of get reminded of that and then I think that's the best time to start writing it because I think the way I started was literally just a stream of consciousness, like getting everything I could on the page. And then my um, reference writer and I had like the really long task of trying to cut that down <laughs> because obviously not everything is completely relevant and some things are better than others. But um, yeah, if you just start by literally writing everything you can think of, I think that that's a good start. Um, and your diary would definitely help with that. Um, I think we started ours really early as well, um, probably in summer, but I hadn't finished all my work experience. So it was a bit difficult. But if you have other experience, like like you said, the conferences and books and things that you've read or been to, um, then you can definitely start writing a bit about that um, early on. Yeah. And I do think what we've talked about a lot is the transferable skills. And that doesn't necessarily have to be vet related because I did a lot of like, like dance, music, you know, mm -hmm. I was yeah. head girl I was which I actually realized I came to vet school and everyone was head girl so it wasn't really like a <laughs> back. yeah I felt that as well yeah yeah so everyone was head girl and head boy and I was like oh so this is what we just a congress of head girls and head boys, like yeah. six new peoples so just stuff like that I was like cool because I'd done all of that it's given me the skills of and the thing I found most on like placements or at open days is that they would say like communication they were like we have so many people who come in who are really smart can like excel through the course like theory wise but then they get out into the real world and like talking to people and then they like stumble being able to you know break down the scientific jargon into ways that owners can understand so I think my whole like personal statement push was about like take me because I'm good at communicating and I can do it because I've done these this and this like head girl and I was like a St John's ambulance corporal cadet like teaching other people first aid I was like so I can communicate well so I think you've just got to find like what your like unique selling point is like what is going to make you different from other people and you just got I don't know you just kind of you got to be I think the th hardest thing about writing a personal statement is like hyping yourself up you're like you should take me because I'm great and I think it's really hard to start writing that because it's like you've never really written about yourself 
in that kind of light before um so I We're think yeah so I think just you got to be your biggest fan <laughs> really it, it is it is literally I remember the teachers being like you are selling yourself like yeah. you have to, and you have to think that it is the the, the the programs are competitive like no one's going to deny that they're competitive and it's but that is not a reason for you to not think it's for you and to put people off but you do have to find some sort of you know pick on your best attributes reflect it's a lot of self-reflection yeah about yeah. things and like you say I think the communication factor is really big and they even drum that into us once you're on the program so that would definitely be a big thing to take for people um it's even things just like general although it sounds like buzzwordy it's kind of like you know your teamwork your leadership those sort of things any instances that you can show that you did that that's amazing like you say it doesn't have to be that you did it in your work experience yeah. you know you, you can do it and those are the sort of things that you would take to interview with you and be like when you're having your interviews you know this is what I did and this is what you say yeah, yeah. I do think the buzzwords are useful though because even if you're not saying them it's like I got this skill but how is it helping me I think mm -hmm. that's what they want to know like they do want to see the buzzwords but they don't want it to be like I can teamwork yeah. I'm good at teamwork yeah. like, how are you good at teamwork provide examples for it sorry John were you gonna say something I was just gonna say like even I remember in my um first personal statement because I applied twice so I had to write it twice um in my first one I wrote quite a bit about working in a shop because I'd had a couple of jobs just like in retail and that was also like great for communication like public facing teamwork you know like it it gave me so many skills that you you wouldn't necessarily, I don't know, consider when you're applying for vet school, um, but they're so relevant and they're so important. So I think like drawing on any of those experiences that you've had um, would, yeah, would be helpful. Lovely. Okay, so I think before we get on to like the interview stage, we've all kind of had slightly different pathways than the, not conventional, but the one that people assume. So Steph, you did the gateway. Do you mind talking a bit about like, how the gateway program is different from the five-year course yeah cool so I know it's changed a little bit now since I did it but um essentially they they are it's a foundation year but it, they're they're only run at RBC in Nottingham currently but hopefully they might start branching out to some other vet schools um essentially it's kind of almost like having a catch-up year so the aim of the gateway program is it's with widening participation criteria so for anyone that doesn't really know what WP stuff is, essentially they look at sort of um, socioeconomic aspects of uh, people that are applying to the, the, the course. So, for example, like I was saying before, like I'm the first in my household to go to university. So my parents have not, haven't been. Um, if you've got low household income, there was uh, polar schools, like postcode schools and sort of contextual school stuff about, you know, how good is your school? for attaining and getting people to university um, and also things like have you been on the summer school which I'd also been on as well um, and the entry requirements were a lot lower and so like I was saying before like I had my little blip at A level so when it was still like AS and A2 at my AS levels I'd done really well in my art and my biology chemistry and my history I had like three D's and so it was like ah you can't really be applying to a five-year vet med program with those grades when the entry requirements are like like three A's or two A's and a B. So that's when I had that reevaluation. Thought, you know what? Actually, I'm only going to apply for the gateway program because it's the only one that I can see myself. You know, like that's what I really want to do, and I didn't really 
want to consider pursuing like zoology or anything at that point um and I thought you know what I'm gonna risk it for a biscuit let's go um and so the entry requirements were CCC for that and so my, my A-level results in the end were, B, were BBC so I completely was fine getting in um and it was useful because it allowed it allows more access to people so not just people that have come through A-levels but people that have done potentially diplomas people that have gone through college routes and have got other degrees they can all come and do the gateway program and then it brings you up to speed to then go into the vet med program in the first year once you've completed that year and the sort of modules that I had so these are the ones sort of modules that don't exist in it anymore but I had like an evolution module in my first year who's going to be treating dinosaurs but <laughs> it was really really interesting it was really really cool to like because the lecturers and the people that we worked with were really really cool um but then a lot of it was about biology and it was like cell bio cellular biology and um applying um comparative anatomy and things like that as well uh which was really good so it was almost like one up from it's definitely still like one up from doing a-level biology um and doing like in general a-level sciences but it's kind of that sort of thing to kind of coerce everyone together so then you're feeling prepared when you go into vet med one and then vet med one is supposedly a little bit more of a breeze because you've already covered a lot of the stuff some of the lectures we actually did repeat so some of the animal husbandry stuff we did in gateway we definitely did again in first year um so yeah i would recommend it definitely to people that i i had worries obviously about my grades but also just worries about like did i think that i was actually going to succeed on the vet course because i think you still go through having a bit of a level of a, a bit of self-doubt you've had to do all this work kind of by yourself push yourself through it and you get to the, the crux of you know a levels is a stressful time and i'm sure we can all agree like it is uh, it takes its toll on it. it's a lot and you think that you're deciding your future you know you want to know that you're making the right decision and i think that program for me help me with that and I thought if I can pass that year I can do the rest of the degree so that was my thought process behind doing it and I, so I do recommend them. And Janavi you said that you had to apply twice what what was your journey? Yeah so um, the first time I applied I didn't get the grades in maths and chemistry so I think I got a BB and my offers were three A's or a a b <laughs> um so i well I, there was a moment there where i hadn't really like considered like what i was gonna do and i had to spend a few days kind of thinking about okay do i go through clearing or do i try try this again and i don't know it was yeah it was kind of a blow to my confidence for sure but i was like i can't imagine doing anything else I've done like a whole summer's worth of work experience like I really just can see this for me um so I decided to reset and uh, take a gap year um but that was really good like I enjoyed myself I got some more work experience and I got a job and I just you know hustled <laughs> um but yeah I reset and then and then I got in so it was definitely worth it and I think I learned a lot of valuable lessons during that gap year of just resilience and perseverance and it was difficult to an extent because I could see my friends who'd gone to uni like having the best time but I think that kind of just spurred me on because I was like okay well now I've seen what university can be like and how fun it can be like it's making me even more motivated to to get there so um and yeah I did manage to do some work experience that was a lot more um 
exciting I think than what I'd done previously so because I had that job I'd I saved up and I um got this veterinary internship in um South Africa um so I went out there for a month and worked with the um with, worked with like the vets out there in vet practices but also in game reserves and things like that so it was such a different experience to any kind of work experience I'd done here um and it made me realize kind of what I wanted to do as a vet I think I that was like my initial trigger into thinking like I want to work in conservation or I want to work with exotics so that kind of made me change my mind about even what university I wanted to go to so I think I really gained so much more from that extra year than I lost definitely. No I do think it's really interesting because a lot of time like people just assume that you just go to university and you start the degree program but then you know I think it is there are a lot of people who you know don't make the grades or don't have the workers like that get rejected at the first hurdle and for them they're like all of their friends because obviously veterans is very competitive like all of their friends are going off to the degrees that they want and you're just kind of there like oh I didn't expect this I didn't I didn't know what to expect so like planning because like, there's also another route because you gateways one route reapplying is another route and then there's another route where you do another biology based degree and then you apply as like uh, like a postgraduate course on an accelerated course. So you'll do like our vet med program is five years. You do like one and two years combined and then you can do it that way. So I was the same. I had the grades, but I didn't have enough work experience. So I didn't get through in the first year. And then I got AAB and then I had to um, decide if I wanted to reapply for like initially take a gap year and reapply or if I wanted to do a whole nother degree so like I had a degree set up until like the week before to do a biology degree and then I was like no I want to reapply like I, it was like a, such a big moment I was like do I trust myself enough to reset chemistry which yeah, was, literally. like do I trust myself enough to do I believe in myself enough to be able to take the year out yes all my friends are going yes I'm going to be by myself I can make new friends but like, yeah. like you said I think the gap was one of the best things that happened to me you get money first time I've ever had a disposable income so that was the best thing. <laughs> so just like the skills of like managing your time and being by yourself I was like I have a year to do whatever I wanted so I was like cool so we're going to work I worked at Bassey Cats and Dogs Home I worked at, with uh stables I worked I just did anything I worked at um Battersea Park Children's Zoo I was like I'm just gonna do whatever and I just applied to like most random jobs and I got some and I didn't get some and I think that sort of like honing in on your skills of working in the world but also like just time management and doing what you want I think are some valuable skills that um people might not get if they go straight to university so I do think I a lot of people go to university and then they get sad like they want to go to university they get sad that they can't get in but there are like the three of us have all gone through like non-conventional routes so it's possible and look at us we're all like on the program now yeah. I do think that. I, you know what I wish I wish that they that there was more emphasis on um it's okay to have a gap year yeah because they like you said like you both said like there's this weird you get so het up about missing out on things and not being in the same vein of your year group that it's really like it really blindsides you like you shouldn't be worrying at that point about what everyone else is doing like we said before even like with the work experience of anything don't compare yourself and don't compare your path to other people's because you if you have a plan in mind you should go with it and I know I've, I've got friends that have done the degrees beforehand and to be fair like when my thoughts with the gateway program I was like what's another year I'm already going to go into like a five-year degree yeah what is another year as long as it furthers my learning and also pushes me to challenge myself and you know and actually sets me up for what I want to do um and 
at the end of the day, like I, I was speaking to like loads of other vet students, a lot of people do do take gap years and it's quite normal. Um, but it doesn't seem to be that way if you're someone potentially applying for any other degree or like I've not really heard of other people doing it if they're going to be a doctor or going, you know, into law or something else. Like people tend to just do that, jump to uni and head straight off. Yeah, definitely. I think that because up till year 13, you have this whole, you have a plan, like every year, you know exactly what you're going to do. And then you're faced with a gap year or the option of a gap year. And it's like this empty space. And I think it really, I mean, it freaked me out definitely at the beginning. It was kind of overwhelming to think like, oh my gosh, I could do anything. Like that is really freeing, but also really terrifying because it's just so many options. So I think that but then I think if you have that, if you like step back and look at your kind of end goal of you, you want to be a vet or you want to work with animals or, you know, um, it kind of helps give that whole space of time a bit of direction. And that definitely helped me. Um, yeah. I had like a goal at the end. And I think the fact that we both um, reset and like had to study definitely. I mean, it wasn't fun and it definitely was like so much more independent than I'd ever had to be. Yeah. But um but it kind of, you know, gave you some kind of uh, consistency in the year. So I also think it gives of... you resilience. Like all your, like, yeah. I just think yeah. having to reset an A level that you've already done is the most resilience I've ever had to learn. Like being able <laughs> to schedule yourself to like properly still be studying for an A level. I think I commend anyone who does it. I think it's really difficult. Okay, so quickly moving on to the interview process. You didn't do interviews because you were on the gateway. No, no. Still, still did. Oh, you still did interviews? Because I felt yeah. like my RBC interviews was the most fun interview I did. So it was the <laughs> third interview I did. So I felt like I already, like, I was like, I'd already done two. So I was like, I know I'm doing. But I just felt it was the most fun. Like, I felt the other ones were really, like, like, one of my interviews was in, like, the crypt of a church, like, underground. And I was really, I had a really bad cough. So I was, like, quite ill. I had, like, a... um a bacterial infection but I was like it's my like I don't know if I'll get another interview I have to go for it so I was there and the doctor was like you're fine but you just like don't sound fine so I was there like and my cough was just reverberating it was like church and I was trying to do it was like half written it was like a written station uh speaking station written station speaking station and I was just there like trying to embarrass myself I, was like, I just want to go home I'm so ill but I did it and it was fine but no I definitely felt like the RVC one like the atmosphere was just more fun like yeah do you guys have any like memorable interview I just, experiences I just think yeah like so again like because I only applied for the gateway like, I've only had a chance to experience the RVC's MMI process but the thought of doing a panel interview was like a, a, a you know a proper fear like I don't <laughs> think I would have been I would have felt ready for that but um yeah the MMI interviews and like anyone will say that they are really really good because you have that freedom to be like if you think you really have messed up on a station you have like five other stations of opportunity where they don't know you they've not seen you yet you can start again and start afresh and that's really comforting but I remember when I so when I did my interviews we had two written stations and four verbal like yes speaking with a staff member stations and I was on one of the written stations first and it was like a uh, it was a dispensing question or something like that and I just remember being I was so nervous and I was like shaking as I was writing and then I was shaking as I was putting my little paper into the little ballot <laughs> box thing they had there and so someone helped me and took it from me and said it's okay 
I was like, thank you. Like, I was so stressed out. And it wasn't until I felt like I'd started on the actual speak the verbal stations that I was like, oh, I can like finally take a deep breath. And it's good. They offer rest stations as well, which is nice. But I could finally just be like, that wasn't too bad. That's not too bad. I can do this. This is fine. It's all right. And then the weird thing is obviously now coming through the other end of it is that they're the same people that are going to be teaching you. Yeah, they seem like the most like you think they're like you don't, you don't know these people so you're like oh my gosh they are so scary like I don't like I, you know it, and they make you feel comfortable but it's still you just feel intimidated but now and you see them around campus and I'm like sure you interviewed me like <laughs> it's so chill and because we even have like obviously students some ambassadors at interview as well it's very likely that you you might then bump into those people again even when you start um but yeah, I think the interview process in, in general is quite good. But yeah, definitely the fact that they offer those, that station way of doing it really helps with the not feeling like you've completely flummoxed your interview and it's going to be the end of the world, um, as I probably may or may not have felt after a panel interview. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember. Um, so I, I found that every interview that I had at every university was so different um so I had like four but they did what they weren't all like MMI they weren't all panel there was such a mix of things and I mean in on on one hand it was really nice not to have to like just be repeating yourself every single time and it was nice to get a feel for the university by the way that they interviewed um but on the other hand it was like oh my gosh like I've got this practical interview and then I've got to talk to a panel and it was a lot of different like styles to get used to but um I think for me by by the like I'd, I'd done a couple of interviews I'd kind of got into the swing of it and then by the time I had to do it all the second time I was like it's fine <laughs> I've done this <laughs> so um so yeah I think that interviews are like such they can be really really enjoyable if you kind of let go of that those nerves obviously everyone is nervous and I was super nervous but if you kind of in the moment are just passionate about what you're saying then you you get so much out of it even though it's a test so um but yeah preparing for interviews was definitely like a massive thing that my school pushed and I don't know how many practice interviews I did just with friends or really even on myself um so I think yeah preparing is like so so important for that but I think again you've just got to be your biggest fan like this is your one shot you just got to go for it like you can't yeah you're nervous but you've got to just got to show them why you deserve to be there and most of the court questions are like I mean they depend like year to year but a lot of them are just like conversational like they may not be like the ethics questions they may not be a right or wrong answer they just want to hear your thought process so I think I found them quite enjoyable because I was like I know that I can't get it wrong so let yeah. me not have a go because there's not that what I could say everyone's got their own opinion about how different things should be ha handled so if you just you know say an opinion and then you can say and I think this because and then you like give some ideas then you can like have a little dialogue and then they can ask you a bit more about it and I think that's more of an enjoyable like it was my first sort of like intellectual conversation and I was like oh look at me go <laughs> you have to you do you do have to practice like not internalizing your thoughts the whole time as yeah. well like you have to yeah if you're someone who doesn't necessarily like to speak out loud it helps though to try and practice it beforehand to be like because they the only way that they can tell what you're doing 
or what you're thinking is if you say it to them exactly and so I remember I had a station where you have to kind of like guess what something was in front of you and you know you kind of have to kind of pick at things and talk through things and you know just kind of talk definitely just talk through your, your thought process you can't say anything wrong you know like there's going to be things that you they're, they're not expecting you to be experts the whole point you're applying there is the fact that you're then eventually hopefully going to be an expert but they just need to see engage where they think that your level is that not only just in your knowledge but also just where is your it's that it's that level of passion your curiosity it's like can you ask the right questions can you you know do you are you engaged um what is you know and all and especially for any of the sort of animal because for the vetty careers like it's about problem solving and things and so you know you need to be able to kind of speak and collaborate and figure out how do you get to the bottom of something and so doing that in your interview and practicing beforehand like Jonathan said if you're practicing whether that be with family with friends with a teacher or an advisor or someone just do just keep doing that um like I practice with an advisor but I just found you just googled like vet interview questions which are very generic but it, you know you know you might not ever get asked them but it's still good for you to just try and practice them and also look at research if you're going to a particular university look at what their research currently is around or look at what's big in the animal community or the vet community or you know what's going around a lot at the time that I was applying it was still a lot about like brachycephalic dogs stuff like that um so it's also important to have those things because those are the sort of things that you can kind of feed into your interview if uh, the point arises in conversation and it shows that you're more engaged definitely I think like if you find out what is what people are talking about in the community and you I remember just making a list of like okay brachycephalic breeds or um tail docking or something and I just wrote what I thought and this was before interviews um and I decided my opinion on those things before I got to interviews because even if you're not asked about that specific issue you might be asked something really really similar to it and you might have a very similar opinion either way um because I think nerves can really make a difference in interviews and they can just make you go completely blank so if you know what you think about something before they ask you then that will help you out a lot definitely I remember I was so scared I was like I don't know anything about farms so my <laughs> mom would get me Farmers Weekly the magazine so I was like flicking through Farmers Weekly I would like google vet times I was reading through DEFRA yeah. I was like <laughs> I was doing everything I can because people were like you've got to know what's going on in the community and I was like okay so how do I do that how do I find out what's going on in the community but no yeah. magazines it was vet times it was DEFRA and Farmers Weekly they were the three that I was like like looking through like oh, what's going on and also if you just like googling random words like I remember like badger culling obviously that mm. was like, a big issue I was like badger culling and then even if it's not like a specific like veterinary related article just uh, people's opinions about topics you know public opinions it's important to get different like stakeholders or different people who's got different interests in, involved in into it um so moving on because we are all animal aspirations ambassadors I just want to talk a bit about like what is the role of animal aspirations in promoting biological you know pathways and entries into into university so Steph do you want to speak a bit about your role as an animal aspiration yeah, member? Sure so um so the role that I'll be finishing up um sad times um this year will be the school bookings and liaison so um that role was formulated because we wanted to function a little bit like our wider participation teams that we have in the access team at RBC and so you need someone there who's going to be the point of contact to try and contact schools 
get people involved um, and then also try and arrange these bookings that we do with our workshops and things. And I think for any for all of us and the, probably the main reason why we're all involved in animal aspirations is obviously we are drawing on a lot of these experiences that we've even spoken about today and seeing that there are students that are still going through the same things and can relate a lot more to what we've been through. But hopefully if we can do some work that helps them either avoid that or make the process easier for them, then we know that we've done our job. And particularly with the school's workshops, it's more about providing opportunities and experiences for students which who may or may not otherwise have contact with animals. At least a lot of us have been able to, and like we've said, a lot of people that apply to some of the veterinary programs or animal courses have had some level of contact with animals at some point in their careers. But it kind of needs to be less stigmatised that just because you haven't touched an animal in your life that you could never see yourself doing this degree or this profession. And likewise, just because, you know, if there are cultural differences or um, socioeconomic factors that are impeding your ability to, to do one of these programmes, you know, that shouldn't be a barrier. Um, in this uh, in this day and age for you to be doing these sort of things so um, like recently we've been doing some workshops with some schools and doing some seminars and things and it's really really rewarding because you know you've as long as if even if you've changed the opinion of one pupil like I think that's still really really important you know it, it, it's there there are and, and it's great to have discussions with some of them we had a discussion we had a, a pupil at one of the schools and you know we kind of had raised the discussions about you know how being um muslim you know how that is impacted by wanting to go into the veterinary degree and what animals you potentially would work with or you'd be allowed to come into contact with and that sort of thing and i was saying you know to be frank the position in the profession you know there aren't a lot of bme um people and therefore we don't have those voices represented very well or very highly and so it's those sort of things that we need to start thinking about and start discussing you know and being more culturally sensitive and tolerant and willing to support these people um and so yeah like I think as much as you know like I have my we all have our roles and everything we have our bigger parts to play I know that the bigger picture is that we are providing these smaller little opportunities for people and it's giving them opportunities to see people that they look like and people that they could potentially relate to and that's the biggest thing you know we, we all probably have said that we wish that there was someone who either looked like us or someone that you know has our background someone that you could look up to a bit more um and I hope that's what we will be and continue to be as students going forward for some of these younger these younger students that are going through it as well yeah because I remember when I was at interviews I was and like open days and like offer holder days I would look around and I'd be like only one <laughs> what can we do about it and then I remember I came to RBC and obviously we have like quite a large international um like population but then I remember seeing like ambassadors like BAME ambassadors who now I like know but I was like oh my god there's two I was like, oh, look there's two and we were so excited so we were yeah. like might have to be RBC because it just made me feel obviously I didn't know them and I didn't know you know what year they're on or like what program they're on or anything I literally just saw them with an ambassador t-shirt on like from the other side of campus and I was like oh my god this is it yeah <laughs> it, it didn't it didn't hit me until I went like I went back to speak to some uh, uh, so there's a teacher that I was quite close with at uh, my secondary school that really helped me throughout the whole of my application process and I would go to her for advice and I went back to see her and I did say to her one of the things I did I do remember it really vividly I said to her I was like no one looks like me 
and it was really strange because I was like I've come from a secondary school that was like multi-faith multicultural the area around me has so many different cultures in it that RVC was a culture shock and I was also shocked because I was like I'm in the middle of London so how has this happened yeah (laughs) it didn't it didn't all compute so I was like oh no and actually I think that potentially the numbers on like the biosciences programs are probably a little bit more even but definitely in the veterinary side of the program it's it's not very it's it's not even at all um but it's it's funny like the thing it took for that to make me realize like just how much actually that did mean to me Mm. actually seeing someone that I'm like oh my gosh like yeah we could you know have a chat for ages maybe I'll find out someone else was from the Caribbean you know and it's like oh this is this is like this is cool like you know and you can you have that that level of relatability with someone that you know it just makes your relationships and your experiences a lot better yeah definitely I think I didn't even realize I was the same I didn't realize until I was in university and talking to a group of like BAME students who are my friends (laughs) and um we were kind of like discussing how there was no like society for like South Asian culture um and how that was like really surprising and then we started one and I was like wow like I didn't realize how much this meant to me until I found other people who who like kind of voiced it I think I always felt it inside but until someone says it I think it's quite difficult to notice that there isn't something there um so yeah absolutely like representation I think animal aspirations is I mean from my perspective being at kind of a grassroots level of what going to workshops and um coordinating that I think that rep- representation is so important definitely and just you said you're a workshop ambassador is there anything that you like what's the thing that you enjoy about going to workshops or is there anything you remember that you're like oh. yeah I mean I have always worked with kids like in t- with tutoring and things like that so I think that is the most gratifying fulfilling part of what I do so I'm yeah workshop leader like you said and that means I coordinate activities in the workshops um so we split the student group into smaller groups and then work with each one on different activities so that might be clinical scenarios so a bit problem solving or um a bit more practical like bandaging up a a dog's leg normally it's a stuffed toy dog um or uh, looking at microscope slides and specimens and things. Um, but I remember one workshop, I was working with a group of students on the microscope slides. And I think that they were all friends and there was one person, like one kid who wasn't really friends with this group. So he wasn't really engaging. And I think he was a bit shy as well. So I don't know, I, I was like, everyone else seems to be really getting a lot out of this. So. I brought out the specimens and I mean all of the kids faces just light up when you bring out a plastinated heart or something they're like what is that that's so cool um but I remember handing it to him and I think it was a combination of him like being fascinated by this object but also everyone wanting to hold it and then he was the one who got to hold it first and it really engaged him and I don't know it was nice to see that change in his kind of overall behavior because even if he didn't want to go and be a vet or work with animals or do biology after that I think that he got a lot more out of the whole experience than he was so I that's one thing that really sticks in my mind yeah that's so sweet very cute how can schools get involved if they want us to come and visit them so to get involved we would like it if people either can check out the website 
uh, people can have a look at our social media as well. Um, but then also if you contact us directly, um, and so it's just our animal aspirations email, which can be, we can sign posts and things. Um, they can contact us and we can just sit and arrange um, whether or not they want to do one of our traditional workshops because of COVID and obviously the way that things have ended up, it was a lot harder for us to actually start doing or keep up and maintain doing workshops and things and schools have kind of, you know, I do feel for them because they've been trying to still potentially deal with these sort of engagement things. They want students to still be considering careers, but it's so hard when they can't even be in school, but hopefully things are looking a bit better and things are opening up. So fingers crossed, we'll actually be able to start running in-person workshops again, which I know that we have slowly started phasing them back in again. But also we were kind of considering, you know, for some of the schools um, over the past couple of months, we've still just done some virtual seminars and things. And whether that's just kind of, we just want to have a chat, we want you to have a chat with our students about veterinary careers or just animal related careers, um, or just kind of your experiences as students and, you know, how did you, you know, a bit like this conversation, how did you get into university, that sort of thing. We're willing to offer those sort of, those um, sort of more tailored programs as well, I think. So yeah, just get in contact with us via email. We are main base obviously still with the Royal Veterinary College, but because we have been slowly expanding um, and people will be aware of the expansion hopefully by the time this comes out um, we have been expanded to other uh, to other or, well or pretty much all of the other vet schools as well so hopefully if this does have reach to other people in those areas and you're not in London you should be able to find a animal aspirations group local to you which would be fantastic yeah I think all of us are really desperate to get back out there and start doing seminars and workshops and things we're really excited so it would be really nice if like people get in touch and let us do that <laughs> well this has been such a wonderful conversation but I have one thing that I want to like end on and that's do you have any like life mottos or quotes that you like help inspire you when you're feeling down or like have helped you get to this stage of your career so far because I always think it's really interesting learning about other people's like philosophies. I think for me, it's very much that like opportunity is everything. Like I, I think there are times I, I've throughout the course of doing the degree, I, there, I, there were never, never times, I don't think anyone does want to regret doing anything or missing out on anything or not stepping up and saying, oh yeah, I want to do this. And, you know, trying to figure out ways to overcome hurdles or barriers just for something stopping you for doing things like, there are experiences that I've had at uni that I probably would have otherwise not had, you know, like even it was great once I started uni, it's, it's obviously a really long course and it's really hard sometimes like maintain a job. Finances was still a bit of a thing for me that I was, I was feeling like I might have to struggle with, obviously still apply for student loans and that sort of thing, but also just having extra jobs and stuff like that would help facilitate me being able to do other things. So I've been able to go on tours and go and see parts of Europe with, with my the hockey team and, that's been great I wouldn't have been able to do that if I didn't go to uni I was able to go I applied for a grant um with SAVMA and then uh, myself and my best friend managed to go and see an animal welfare conference in Germany and I was like that was so cool like it was just a weekend in Munich but like it was lovely that I had that ability to travel which I potentially otherwise wouldn't have had had I not been doing this degree um and you know there are so many like amazingly bright talented people and staff members and people that support you in in throughout the, throughout the programs and so you know you have that network and you can utilize it but I would just be like if an opportunity arises for people consider the options kind of weigh it up figure out if it's, if it's good for you right now or not but 
for the most part do try and take things because you know you I, I just wouldn't want people to go through thinking that they regretted I, I didn't want to sit there and be like oh I'll get to the end of the green but oh, I wish oh yeah I wish I had done that I wish I had done that but I think I've taken you know grab the ball by the horns for a lot of things um and you know have managed to make it through the end and out the other side so now I've got to try and push myself to take opportunities when I'm actually a vet um <laughs> and you know try and not limit yourself make some plans set set yourself, yourself up some aspirations the whole point of us you know set yourself some goals set yourself some aspirations look forward things yeah no definitely um I think like for the majority of people I guess who are going into university um maybe straight from school or like at this age um it's a really exciting time where you don't have anything really like tethering you to one place and you don't have obviously you have responsibilities but you don't have like necessarily bills to pay you know it's all of the kind of things that you you have to deal with when you're like a working adult and you don't have to deal with them right now so I think make the most of that time because it's short and it's so unique and there are so many opportunities um and if you don't see any then there's always the opportunity to create them so I think that like that would be my kind of advice just make the most of this time where you you can just focus on yourself and and literally do whatever you want to do yeah oh that was lovely I really like that. that's a really good quote well thank you so much both for joining me I know you guys are very busy you know Steph you're about to be a vet I really appreciate you guys taking the time to to talk through what I think is one of the scariest parts like I remember at the RVC open day they were like the hardest part is getting in and I think it's a lot of self-belief and like the steps and there's just a lot it's like a long period of time it's not like you get an answer immediately it's like you do the application then you got to wait like a month and a bit and then you get an interview and then you got to wait like six weeks and so it's a long period of stress so I think you know hearing our stories of how we've made it through and now we're on the program and you've successfully completed the program I think it's just hopefully it will be inspirational for you know someone who want, is interested in this to to hear three people who are who are doing it so thank you so much thank you no, it's thank been lovely you. to talk it all through it's just like just reflective just reminiscing yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about it okay well bye well i hope you found this episode useful there was a big focus on the application process but i hope it has shone a light onto the different pathways that you can do to get into veterinary if you want to find out more then check out the animal aspirations website www.animalaspirations.com and check out our student booklet here we have lots of information about the application process and what you need to do at each stage if you're a school and you want to have us come and visit you, then get in touch. Email us at animalaspirations at rvc.ac.uk. This has been the Animal Aspirations podcast. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time.